0: Jason, we warned you. We told you 2016 was nothing but sadness, and it would come for you, and you didn't believe us.
1: I uh, I did not. I thought that I was exempt, at least for a little while. Um, but uh, sure enough, the, the Maryland Terrapins, the number one in the country, Maryland Terrapins, on No a longer undefeated. Game, on, on a 15-game winning streak, uh, playing at home against a Providence team that had... Uh, I believe I read had only scored more than two goals in the game once all year. Uh, Maryland took a four-one lead through uh, Eric Williamson, uh, DC Academy product. Uh, they made it four-one. Uh, there were about twenty minutes to go, and Providence scored a goal. And it was like, okay, fine. You know, it was a little goal and a scramble. Some sometimes things happen. It's no big deal. And thirty-six seconds later, it was four-three. <laughs> Providence is right back, just sort of blindly hit across um, – the funny thing was the, the, the wind direction, the ball was actually going into the wind, but that actually made the ball hang up and then fall right. into the upper corner. Um, and it, it – the the ball sort of formed a like a, a peak rather than an arc. It sort of hit a peak and then took a different trajectory from there. <laughs> um, so within 30 second, 36 seconds, I didn't have time to type a tweet about the first goal. It was 4-3. Uh, and then Providence scored another goal about five minutes later. And then they scored the the fourth goal. There, the equalizer was ridiculous. It was a really great strike. Um, and then the fifth goal was a wind aided uh, Olympico. That it turned out. Um, <laughs> and goodness. so, Providence four one down with twenty minutes to play, having not scored four goals in an entire game and the entire year. Uh, having, I think, their record coming in was like twelve and seven or twelve against 7 and the 1, number like one that,
0: team in the country. Against a,
1: yes, against a team that hadn't given up five goals at home in like since, like, 1993, I think is what I read. Um, wins 5-4 in the first, or I guess it's the second round, the first round that Maryland was playing because they got a bye. Uh, and so 2016, it came to a windy Ludwig Field and ruined that as well. Um, that and is then, what
0: 2016 does. Yeah,
1: And I was I, I was just saying uh, off the air, um, I went to go warm up at the Starbucks. Um, so I was drinking coffee and dawdling online trying to to get feeling back in my extremities and that time dawdling is what cost me my shot at getting pho for dinner which I also needed quite badly because it's a nice it you know you've been outside in the cold you want something nice and warm um I thought that would be perfect but my dawdling at Starbucks in College Park cost me the ability to get to the pho restaurant in time for it to be open so I ended up not even getting the food I wanted for dinner on top of everything else. Jason
0: in the horrible, no good, very bad 2016, right there. Yeah. We told you it would happen. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the sadness and pointing it in your face podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined as always by, by Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley. Uh, we are all from blackandredunited.com, where we write about soccer, sadness, uh, malaise, melancholy, um, and various... Ennui. Ennui, definitely. 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 Ennui. Um, and And various other negative emotions uh, tonight we are talking about uh, i 'll steal one from from our friend matt doyle and and say we 're talking about uh, a happiness, a gladness, but at the misfortune of others. Um, Jurgen Klinsman was fired today Monday as we report this, and we are going to talk the hell out of that. Uh, You better believe. Uh, We are also going to be talking about D.C. United's offseason because there's actual good news, not just sadness. There's good news there. And we are going to talk about the ongoing MLS Cup playoffs. I I shouldn't say ongoing. The resuming MLS Cup playoffs after their 18-week hiatus uh, for this FIFA window and whatever other reasons. And, you know, various scheduling conflicts that kept them from playing actually over the weekend. Before we do anything, though. And Seattle. I guess Seattle's kind of Canada. Basically. Jasper agrees. Yep. <laughs> Before we do anything, though, Jason, how are you drowning your sorrows tonight in a totally healthy way?
1: Uh, well, I actually had enough time uh, to make a drink that I had planned on making. For once, it, this is not the I threw some, some booze in a glass because it was time to, sh- to jump on the podcast. I made what's called a per, uh, a pear haymaker. Um you muddle up some pear, some ginger syrup, which I made from scratch, um, ginger simple syrup, um, pear, lemon juice. You muddle that up. You top that with uh, a couple of ounces of vodka. I didn't really measure that part. I just sort of eyeballed it because that's what I do. And then you top that off with ginger beer or ginger ale. And I've got to say, it's pretty good.
2: Nice. Ben, how about you? Uh, unlike Jason, I just threw some alcohol together in a cup when it was time to come upstairs <laughs> to podcast. Um, We've switched. Yes. Well, usually I'm just throwing stuff together, but... So, wait, does this...
1: All right, so you're the me of this episode, and I'm the Adam, so Adam has oh, to be Ben. Okay. Be ben. We'll find
2: out. We'll find out. So, so just... Okay, Adam, practice. Goats.
0: Sheep. Nope, that didn't Goats. get it. Yeah. Moo. They're getting nope.
2: closer. Right. Still didn't get we'll, it. We'll work on it. Okay. Uh, but... I decided uh, I am out of bourbon, which is a dire sadness in my house. That's pretty bad. Yeah, <laughs> because because we had to go pick up the baby, and it traffic took forever. So, and uh, daycare closes at six, so I didn't have time to then go get uh, go, get to the ABC store after picking up the baby. Um, so what we did have was sweet vermouth, which obviously I make all of my manhattans out of, and whipped cream vodka. So I'm going with like kind of a whipped cream vodka sweet martini <laughs> kind of dealio here. A Zach
0: Braff from Scrubs drink, if ever there was one.
2: That that yep. is astounding. Is it a any cotton, good?
0: a cotton candy teeny? Is that... Basically, I mean
2: it just it just tastes sweet, so it's fine. All right.
0: <laughs> um,
2: I I could have used regular vodka and had an actual uh, martini. Sweet, sweet vermouth martini but uh regular vodka sucks so i went with the sweet stuff
0: <laughs> <laughs> because hashtag standards
2: w- w- when have i ever been accused of having standards
0: that's a good point um as far as flavor pr- profiles i went in a, about as far away from ben ben's <laughs> route as possible i am drinking uh whatever it is you call a manhattan made with mezcal um uh, which I assume would be like a Tenochtitlan, the the Aztec name for Mexico City. That that or seems at least like
1: a neighborhood in Mexico City.
0: Yeah, yeah. So oh, I uh, don't know
1: the neighborhood names there, so I've ruined it.
0: Yeah, that's okay though. We'll figure it out. Whatever, <laughs> we, whatever you know. <laughs> or the...
2: we we won't figure it out.
0: Yeah, we we won't. We'll just say we'll forget and move on. Anyway, it, it's pretty good. I used. Uh, I made it more like a white Manhattan with uh, dry vermouth rather than sweet vermouth because um Mezcal's a little bit of a clearer even though it's got a super smoky flavor it's not aged in barrels uh to pick up that that dark brown spirit color um and it's it's really good. I used orange bitters and Angostura in it, so it's not totally clear anymore because of the Angostura bitters but it's it's pretty tasty and I like it a lot super smoky uh which which is a little bit different, but it's, but it's pretty good. I'm a fan. I'm also a fan of the decision today to can Jurgen Klinsman, send him on his way. He has been relieved of his duties at the U.S. men's national team. will no longer be head coach or technical director. Um, because keeping him on as technical, technical director would be kind of like remaining roommates after you break up with your long-term significant other. Which I had friend
2: uh, I had friends who did that for like multiple months on end, and it was And it was probably terrible. Awkward.
0: I have a, I have a friend who did the same thing. It was actually still sharing no the
2: same bedroom for the first like month of that. Yeesh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's And then bad they news. Reali- then they realized, oh wait, one of us should move to the couch. And my friend <laughs> yeah. Elijah was the one who moved to the couch. It took them that long to think of that solution.
1: Yeah. That should That's, have been, like, a, a, like, ten minutes later solution, like, oh, I gotta go to bed. Uh, yeah. I guess I better sleep in here. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's
0: <laughs> Relationships do weird things to you, man, like, yeah. making you keep Jürgen Klinsmann on for a full year after it was really clear he should no longer be be the head coach. But here we are, and so did, Sunil did, Gulati so has finally ripped the Band-Aid off. Did and he
2: finally send Jürgen to the couch?
0: Uh, no, because he's no longer technical director either. So he, he just kicked him out the house,
2: okay.
0: out the soccer house. Like they were in Chicago at soccer house and he said, you got to go. I, I assume yeah. that's how it goes. That, that's how it went down, like word for word. Just they walk into a meeting and Sunil's like, "Jurgen, you got to go.
1: And he did fly out to apparently to California to deliver the news. Oh, yeah, wow.
2: So, Sunil couldn't even make Jurgen come to him.
1: Yeah, well, I I look
0: forward to the the tell-all where Jurgen Klinsmann discusses how little anybody in America knows about soccer. Um, It's going to be going to be pretty great. Um, Ben, was this deserved? Yes. Of
2: course. I almost didn't laugh. I almost didn't laugh. (laughs) I came so close. I I delivered the line and then I couldn't hold it. I mean you can look anywhere on Twitter for the litany of reasons why, like the litany of firsts that uh Jor- the ignominious firsts that Jorgen has accrued, especially over the last like year, year and a half. But I mean Losing to Mexico was bad and then getting completely smacked around by a, like we expected to lose in Costa Rica, but Costa Rica is not four to zero better than the US men's national team and especially with the players basically quitting on Jurgen in that game and the players Michael Bradley and Jermaine Jones uh forcing Jurgen to change tactics after 23 minutes in the uh in the USA Mexico game it's clear he's lost the team it's clear that his message however well it might have worked or not worked earlier in his tenure it's it's completely done now and yeah, they have no choice but to move on at this point. And it's, like you said, it's probably overdue.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. He was someone who, who showed that he didn't know how to really manage the team. He There would be spells, including this summer, where the team would actually be playing pretty well. And he would completely miss the lesson of what was going right. And try something experimental in a must-win game in the hexagonal against Mexico and but break out a three five two, which he wouldn't even call a three five two, and act like it was a shock that the players weren't totally sure what they were supposed to do especially when he famously doesn't give tactical instructions he just says go out there and express yourself yeah. and have fun and be angry and nasty remember and remember when would, we
2: all tried to wave away uh philip lam's comments about how jurgen coached Bayern munich
0: right well we said that he would he have a right yeah time. yeah I mean it took us it took Sunil Gulati 5 years to figure that out. Uh I remember 4 years ago around this same point in the hex uh you know the US were in pretty dire straits the Brian Strauss article came out and it was Michael Bradley who who kind of rallied the players back to Jurgen saying you can't go public with this stuff you have to keep it in house and we have to work through this because he's our coach now whether we want him to be or not and so let's let's all pull in the same direction. And that worked for a little while. Uh, it got them into the World Cup on top of the hex and got them through the group stage, you know, by the grit of their teeth. But after that, it kind of started to fall apart again. And then Jurgen Klinsmann threw Michael Bradley and Jermaine Jones under the bus for not dragging the team kicking and screaming into the prosperity that was guaranteed under the three five two. if only those two guys would have grabbed it and then you know for nothing in costa rica and bye-bye jason i i i'm sure you agree with the decision to to um send him on his way the speculation and reporting now i think it's beyond speculation because people are citing sources is that bruce arena will be will come in i think calling him a caretaker manager is probably too strong um, of a condition on it. It sounds like he's probably going to be the manager through the 2018 World Cup and then something longer term will will come after that. But that's still over a year away, a year and a half away. So I think calling him interim or caretaker is, is probably the wrong way to go about it. How do you feel about Bruce Arena coming in?
1: Well, first I will say that I do agree that he should have been let go. He should have been let go a while ago. Um, the multiple... The failures on multiple fronts. The um, the failure to qualify for the Olympics, which Klinsman mm-hmm. underlined... Twice. Heavily. You know, the first one, at least, uh, that wasn't necessarily a player pool that he had groomed completely. Um, it was close enough to the start of his reign where it's like, uh, okay, it's only sort of your fault. The second one was 100% on... Klinsman, the technical director. Um it was Andy Herzog whose tactics failed. Andy Herzog was handpicked by Klinsman to be his tactical right hand man slash Olympic coach. Um and the Olympic roster was easily good enough to get in. And the fact that they did not get in means that you know a coach's job is at the, the fundamental level to take what he's got and get the most out, he or she has got and get the most out of it and he in this case Herzog and Klinsman uh with the national team the full national team was getting much less than that group is capable of um so on top of losing everyone and and on top of telling every fan that they're an idiot um he also which he was, even did like
2: 2 days ago 2 days oh, ago yeah, yeah, that was yesterday. his last
1: his last yes. move was to yep. get his buddy posing as a legitimate reporter instead of just his friend who will say whatever for in favor of his buddy um to tell everyone how stupid they were. Yeah. <laughs> for not for, for not being all in on Clinsman still. Um but anyway, I just had to get in my own shots at Klinsman because he was terrible. And not and like I'm not gleeful that someone lost their job. I'm gleeful that a bad person has been removed from US soccer. Yes. Uh because Klinsman was a jerk. Um like it's one thing to be like, I wish people would understand what I was doing. Uh, Maybe I'm not explaining it well enough, but instead it was you people, you American soccer fans are all dumb, and that's why you don't get it. Well, and it Um, was funny,
0: too, the 180 he took, you know, from these players have to feel like they're under pressure all the time to do their jobs and to win at the highest level. And then when he fails to even maintain the level of success that the U.S. had had for well over a decade before he got here, when he failed to even maintain, let alone improve on it, he said... Well, it's only one or two games. You know, what's the mm-hmm. big deal? It's like, no, this is this is a high-pressure well, job. You perform or you get
1: out. This is and let is someone who will said, perform come in. And he he said he wanted his players to in in his words, I think it was to go to the bakery and get yelled at by the customer behind them in line when they failed to perform. Um and at the first we're well, not at the first real sign of pressure, but you know, the, the I last... mean, he's
0: been saying this stuff for years. Anytime he comes under pressure, it's like, right. "Oh, you don't understand what I'm doing,
1: right. you people, and, you
0: prols are too are are below me."
1: And and after the after the Costa Rica loss, he went, you know, he doubled down on it. Um, and that's not how he himself was saying that his play. He wanted his players to react on the field by playing well. Um, and his move as coach was to not explain himself. Uh, it was to insult everybody. Um, it's, a- it's almost like he.
2: Didn't realize that the mismatch between what he was expecting of his players and what he was expecting of himself. Yeah, that yeah, sounds I mean, like a leader to me.
0: Yeah, um, there was. You know, a, I really want Jurgen to go out there and just express himself and have fun. <laughs> and you know what? Maybe he does need to be angrier and a little bit. I think bit he nastier. did express
1: himself. I think we found out what he actually <laughs> thinks of everybody. Um, but there, there was a tweet earlier today from Richard Farley, and he pointed out. Uh, I'm trying to remember the exact wording. Um, but the, the point was that that fans, uh, the, the fan outcry, the journalist outcry about Klinsman after the Costa Rica defeat um, may have actually been what pushed this over the edge. Um, and in years past, it might have been more muted. Um, we kind of, you know, we're soccer nerds, so we're in the bubble a little bit um, as to how, you know, how much uproar there is. But this one got bigger than a lot of those other ones. Um, and it was more sustained. It didn't just go, you know, the day the day after the Costa Rica game, people didn't just be like, oh, well, oh, well, I'll, I'll move back to whatever I was paying attention to. The complaints kept coming. We kept talking about it. Um, and maybe that, uh, you know, Klinsman talked about how the U.S. needs to evolve as a soccer nation. Well, maybe they did. Um, and uh, it may have been what forced Gulati to actually say, not only am I going to acknowledge that this is the wrong person for the job but i'm gonna let him go even at great personal capital co- political capital costs uh, to myself because Sunil galati pursued klinsman extremely aggressively after bruce arena stepped down and he couldn't get him and he settled for bob bradley and everyone knew he settled for bob bradley mm-hmm. um and then when bradley was let go Gulati again aggressively pursued Klinsman. Well, even before that, after the first after cycle with Bob Bradley, he went after Klinsman that, yeah. again, right. and
0: Klinsman wasn't ready, and so he settled for keeping Bradley on. Like it was really embarrassing and, and disrespectful to Bob Bradley while he was under contract to be right. so outwardly pursuing another head coach.
1: And and they the pursuit the, the aggressive pursuit doesn't just look bad it also came with financial ramifications. Mm-hmm. Klinsman's contract isn't what it is, and I think the payout they have to offer him up was like $6 million. He's not getting that payout if it wasn't for the fact that he knew when he sat down to accept the job how much he could ask for. Right. Um, and it's because Gulati, years ago, exposed all his cards. He's like, this is what I'm holding. This is what I got. Please, please, for the love of God, sign for, sign for this job. I've got a pair um, of sevens. All and then he kept saying it over and over again. Um, yeah. I mean, maybe I, I feel like I shouldn't want to sit at a poker table with an economics professor, but maybe in this case, I should make an exception. Uh, it sounds <laughs> like he's not very good at hiding what he's got. Um, yeah, but he finally said, but, if
0: I've lost Carlisle, I've lost America. And
1: I mean, he he I mean, he lost everybody. Um, yeah.
0: So let's let's move on from Klinsman, uh which wait, we are all, I think, very happy to do.
1: It's occurring to me that you asked me a question about Bruce Arena.
0: (laughs) I did, in fact. Let's get back to that. Okay. Bruce Arena looks like he's coming in. What do you make of this appointment?
1: Um, I think when you fire a coach in the middle of qualifying, you need stability and a clear view of what to do next more than you need the game-changing, um, five-year, ten-year plan kind of coach. Um... The U.S. isn't in a position most likely to grab that, uh, someone that's going to do what Klinsman said he would do, um, to revolutionize the game in the U.S. and and turn them into this proactive, beautiful team to watch, and the youth programs are all excellent and everything is, is, um, champagne and and whatnot. Um, that's not going to happen on this, this level of short notice, um. The U.S., if they were going to make the move, they had to make it now in this four-month gap between qualifiers. Yeah. Um, but four months isn't a lot of time to set up You know, – four months between qualifiers isn't a lot of time to set yourself up for your um, big, elaborate future plans. Um, so Arena's got extensive I – mean, he's got two different World Cup qualifying cycles experience getting a team into the World Cup and doing something when he got there at least once. Um, the second time, the group was significantly tougher. Um, and things did not pan out. Um, I think if fans are expecting great, uh, high, you know, high level soccer eh, it's probably not going to happen. What we're going to see is the players are going to be put in straightforward roles that fit their job description or, you know, players are going to be put in the spots they belong in. Um, <laughs> they fit their strengths,
0: they understand right. what they the, have to do The
1: tactics are going to be pretty simple But it's going to be clear It's going to be made clear what the players What they're supposed to be doing um, They're not going to be sent out in a brand new formation With no game plan um, And to actually It's kind of a handy comparison um, Klinsmann switched to the three five two Against Mexico out of the blue Everyone was ambushed by it, it was, The players haven't said so but you could tell Watching the game that they were ambushed by it there's a reason they switched formations because they were confused and they were unfamiliar with their roles. For people that might remember, Bruce Arena in the World Cup in 2002 switched to a 3-5-2 against Mexico in part because of suspended players. This was not plan A, it wasn't uh, they weren't necessarily thinking we're going to switch to a 3-5-2 specifically to play Mexico. It wasn't they even were, really
0: a plan B. It was It
1: was it was on the table because you you could tell it was on the table because of how well the players played those roles. Um, they did not look like they had never trained in this formation before. It's sort of like, um, the Spirit, uh, playing 3-5-2 in the NWSL Championship, and it turned out they had been training on it all season, they just never used it in the game. Um, but Arena still, it wasn't like, we're definitely going to use this against Mexico, it was like, oh, we've got suspensions, we have to, you know, cover for this and that, this might be the best thing for us to do. Klinsman made this move, and he had time to prep for this. Like, prepping for Mexico should have been his, the thing he was doing in his life, um, for a while there, mm-hmm. and instead it was like, "Okay, guys, we're gonna play 3 5 We're like, "Well, we haven't spent any time in training on that. Like, shouldn't we have done that? Should we? Should we? Shouldn't we do something we're familiar with?" Like, "No, no, no, don't worry. Uh, we're just gonna play this formation. It's gonna be cool. Everything will be great. Um, I got this. You, you guys just go out and express yourselves." Um, <laughs> and they did by coming over to the sideline, being like, "This isn't working. This is terrible. We'll lose this game if this carries on." we and Timmy Chandler
0: lot. is going to die. If you keep doing this. Um,
1: so no, that's not going to happen. This will not happen under Bruce Arena. The 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 players will be given their roles. He will bring in um, a coaching staff that builds out what they're supposed to do in a, on a game-to-game basis. The teams will be – the opponent will be well scouted. Um, the The game plan will make sense. We won't be getting a U.S. lineup and being like, what is this supposed to be? It'll be like, oh, that, that makes sense. We'll be excited – You don't hear a lot of joy or or thrills, but it would be like, no, that makes sense. That'll probably win the game. Um, And
0: Here's the thing. He's been doing it with the LA Galaxy. In almost every game between now and the World Cup in 2018, in almost every game, the USA will have a major surplus of talent. There is one game that is obviously not true, and one game where it's maybe debatable. Mexico has more talent than the US. Costa Rica... Costa doesn't have –
1: no, it, they don't they, have more they, talent right
0: now. No, they don't. But some they people had, will argue that they, they do. They
1: had a significantly better coach who had tra- trained his team in, the, in what they wanted him – or what he wanted them to do for a while.
0: Right. So there's one official competitive game over the next year and a half where the U.S. will not be at a severe talent advantage on the field. Mm-hmm. And that is the case for the LA Galaxy over the last several years when they've won – three MLS cups with Bruce Arena.
1: Right. And this the year helm. things kind of things year this year things kind of went wrong for the Galaxy because their extra talented players got too old. Um and yeah. by going wrong, I mean, let me bring this up. The Galaxy only lost like six or seven games all year. Yeah. They yeah, they tied games, a bunch of games was their problem. Yeah they had sixteen ties, but they only had six losses in 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 twenty sixteen out of thirty four games.
2: Also, this is a secret awesome benefit of Jürgen getting fired, is that oh, yes. there's no Bruce for the LA Galaxy anymore.
0: And even better still is who is reported <laughs> the, the slash
1: Anolfo, rumored Kurt to Anolfo, take over. Anolfo,
2: Anolfo. Oh my gosh.
1: I will say, Make it happen. I assume that Curtin has improved by leaps and bounds in the six years since he was last <laughs> a head coach. <laughs> but uh, it it's going to be a very interesting year in LA for Or not year, but winter in LA because uh, the winter of their discontent. I mean, Robbie Keane's gone, Steven Gerrard's gone, so they've got a lot of room to spend, and they will spend because of the Galaxy. Um, Maybe they'll spend on a coach. Maybe this Anolfo thing is not as it it would be a surprise to me if that's the way they went because they have. And we are also
2: we are also still assuming that Bruce will be the coach. It seems very likely, but it it seems likely enough that like by the time
1: you listen to this, it may have already happened. That's, right, because um, uh, we're right. recording on Monday. It's only a couple hours after the uh, what? Five hours after Klinsman was officially and let said, go.
2: R- and said rumors also say that it might be announced as soon as Tuesday.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. So it, it's it's looking increasingly likely that it will be Bruce Arena. My question that we'll end this segment on is: How should the January camp look uh, under Jurgen Klinsman? Logs. It's been. Uh, A little bit of the same as far as, you know, some MLS guys getting their first looks. A lot of times it's been older MLS guys coming in, sometimes for their first look, sometimes just to be the veteran in camp, or so we thought. But then Chris Wondolowski kept getting called up for real games, too. Um, And he's definitely a locker room guy that I don't mind being there in January as long as he's there to provide guidance and help integrate people and say, this is how things are done. But then he would just keep getting onto the mm-hmm. actual games. And it's like, what is happening here? Um, there will be some of that with Bruce arena. He has his guys. Um, it's not guaranteed that Alan Gordon will not get more call-ups in the future. Uh, <laughs> LA galaxy player uh, right. or one time Alex or, Yeah. Anyway. Um, but you can't call in, Christian pulisic and and john brooks and the the guys in europe for the january camp because it's not a fifa window it's not a period where clubs are going to release players to their national team so it will be very mls and scandinavia heavy as it always is my question is whether it should what what you guys think it will and should look like ben you said you have thoughts so let's yeah i mean
2: my main thought is that i think bruce is going to take this time to bring the players that he likes back in from the cold of Jurgen Klinsmann. So I fully expect a Benny Failhaber to get a call-up. If Jorge Villafana can be released from his Mexican club, I would assume he would get a call-up, but I don't know if he can get released. Um, Players like that who have been iced out by Jurgen for... Unknown reasons, uh, I think you're going uh, Bruce is gonna take this time. I think to... I know some of the reasons. By the way, well, yeah, <laughs> uh, I think Bruce is gonna take this time not not the way we've typically expected Camp Cupcake to be in the middle of somebody's tenure because this isn't the middle of somebody's tenure. Um, I think he's gonna call in players that he want that he may want to see in March and give them a tryout and use this as his planning. Basically, it's his planning period for what he wants to do come March. So it's going to be a lot more higher stakes than a typical Camp Cupcake.
0: I completely agree. I think it's going to be uh, the MLS-based starters who won't get much of an offseason as a result. So you're going to see Bradley. You're going to see Josie. You're going to see Burnbaum and Biesler and Well, maybe not Beisler because he, he didn't really play very well in in these games granted he was out of position but he also hasn't played particularly well for sporting kansas city uh in in this season but i think you'll see the the mls-based starters who are healthy uh and willing to show up you might see darlington nagby come in because that's a thing that makes sense Mm -hmm. and it didn't happen with with klinsman because nagby was like no this is this guy's insane i or he just
1: wanted to spend time with his uh young child and wife or he actually um,
0: did want to do that. Heaven yeah. forbid. Had, had, yeah. Being a father of a, a young child, this is something I, I can understand as a human emotion, uh, right. which Jurgen Klinsmann may or may not be able to
1: do. Let me throw Let me throw a name out there that just occurred to me while Ben was talking. It's not Bill Hameed Jonathan Bornstein. Going, it's not Jonathan Bornstein. It is a left back. Robbie Rogers.
2: Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's definitely getting called in.
1: Robbie Rogers uh, was early he was called in a lot by Klinsman early uh, and then he came out uh, and he stopped getting called and And Rogers was he never said that, that's, that his coming out of the closet was why he didn't get called but he did say suddenly I stopped hearing from Klinsman and I don't know what happened um, and well, I don't he- know why
0: yeah, whether whether that's and because he came out or whether because he retired and returned to MLS, which are yeah, also things Jurgen Klinsmann, Klinsmann has seems not to understand. Big,
1: we have evidence. We have a track record of Klinsmann saying that if you step a, step aside, you're you're done. He did that with right. Donovan as well. Um, so that is probably the more solid lead there. But Arena has coached Rogers since he since he returned to the game, converted um, him to a and, left back. You know, full, gave him the full time. Uh, you know, job at left back, and then when they signed Ashley Cole, he kept him in the lineup as a right back because he's actually Mm -hmm. right-footed. So the fact that he can play on both sides of the back four, the fact that he can play as a winger if you need one, um, Rodgers might get uh, called in in this January camp as I think what we might see there is we're going to see, I think you guys are right, that the starting players that make up the national team that are available will get called in. Um but I also think in these spots where there aren't necessarily there's not obvious cover, we're going mm-hmm. to see guys really giving it getting a chance to prove that they shouldn't have been overlooked. Um so Sasha Kleschern will get called in, but he's gonna have to fight off Benny Failhaber. Um mm-hmm. Rogers is gonna get called in if VFIN is available. I I would suspect he's gonna get called in. Um because Arena has never shown a penchant for just ignoring a player for no apparent reason usually he's like i've tried that guy it didn't work so i didn't call him back anymore via finding never got his chance um yeah so it should be a very fascinating uh camp much more so than normal where it's like you know people get up in arms about it and it's just like well why are we even that animated about this like there are a couple players that are called and it's kind of interesting and that's pretty much it. This one's going to be a lot more interesting. This is their one chance to prep for that next set of games, which fortunately for the US is easier, um, yes, because they're, they have the, the the bottom three teams in CONCACAF uh, or in the hexagonal at least. Um, they're not playing besides you know, themselves, Montserrat and um, <laughs> whoever else, um, but you know they're they're playing Honduras, Trinidad and. Um, And now I'm going blank. Panama is the other one. That's who they're playing. And and those are teams that they should be beating every time. Um, And now they kind of have to. Uh, Those are not games they can have a slip up in.
0: So we will, I'm sure, return to this subject through one guise or another over the course of this show. Uh, But we're going to leave the the us men's national team right there for now and we will be right back this is filibuster the black and red united podcast hey ben um you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment would you you can tell Uh, me
2: depends i mean well i should ask you i mean is our goats hostile
0: Welcome back. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. And now is the time to talk about DC United. Normally we do this in the first segment, but there was big news. And so we talked about Jurgen Klinsmann's firing instead. What would have led the show had the manager of the U.S. national team, men's national team, not been fired, would have been the permanent signing of Luciano Acosta by DC United because that is really big news. It was job one this offseason. I think unanimously people asked... You know, Around the internet, people who cover D.C. United said, the single most important thing D.C. United has to do this winter is sign Luciano Acosta, buy him from Boca Juniors. Um, it, it fell above actually starting building the stadium in a lot of people's minds, and uh, for good reason. He, he made the team go this year. He had 11 assists and I think four goals to go along with him, which, considering he started the season pretty slowly, is... Uh, a a really good build uh something to build on for for next year and he is in the fold for the foreseeable future jason what are your feelings on this
1: uh i mean it's it was a must um when you have a player of that quality um the rumored transfer fee built in was not just low it was it was you're not going to find a player of Acosta's quality at that position for that amount of money at his age. Um, so yeah, it,
0: He it, is 22 it, years old now. He came right. into the league at 21 and got better as the season went along,
2: Right, which was, is know, not always could, true for 21-year-olds. What was Boca Juniors thinking when they allowed a transfer fee that low to be built in? Who knows? But uh, Argentina's
1: economy is not healthy, um, <laughs> is what they were thinking. Um, they were thinking, let's collect some currency because we need to keep the lights on because... That's how it is, uh, unfortunately. Well, I think Um, some of it was
0: also Luciano Costa wanted to go to MLS. Dave Casper's a sneaky good negotiator, as it turns out.
1: We also need to take a nod to the fact that Boca Juniors uh, historically has had, like, world-class number 10s. And Lucho, while awesome, is not quite at that level. Um, Yeah. And so they were probably thinking, like, we're never quite going to, you know, he's never going to be a starter here. Um, so the, the money looks better and better at that point. Um, but, uh, we've seen him, he's, he's gone through the traditional, um, first few months in MLS, you need time to adjust. Um, obviously part of that was United's formation needed to adjust to him. Um, United needed to figure out what they had and then build the team around that and get away from the, the previous formation, um, and play something that really matched Acosta's skill set. Um, they also went out and got players to make that work. Um, yeah, and got was, and got
2: rid of players who didn't.
1: Right, and and that was the first sign of a real commitment to make this happen. Um, really, when those trades came through, I think we all started to have the feeling that they were going to make sure that they signed Acosta because you don't go, uh, you don't get rid of a, a Spindola at a loss because Vancouver ended up recouping some money in that that otherwise they wouldn't have gotten um you don't trade tam uh for patrick mullins or lloyd sam you don't make those moves unless you really think you're all in on on building around this player um but yeah it's it's uh, it was obviously the thing united had to do and and granted if that had somehow fallen through a future with uh bucher starting in that spot with colin martin backing him up wouldn't have been a disaster uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but it would have been, at least in soccer terms, it might have been a disaster PR-wise for the team. Yeah. Um, because fans getting to see a central playmaker who, I mean, Acosta doesn't just get the job done. He does it with flair. He does it with stuff we we t- will talk about for a long time afterwards. Um, I'm still telling people about the little reverse uh, nutmeg he did on Jack Barmby when Mm -hmm. Portland came to town, and that didn't result in anything. That didn't become a goal or an assist. It was just a thing that happened during the course of the game. The
0: sombrero over uh, Brad Evans, followed by the little back heel to himself like while running. I don't even know what it's called when you take it down with your heel at your hip. Into your yeah. own running, it, a, it, it was this ridiculous play. Yeah, Alucho. That's what <laughs> um, it's called. It's called a Lucho now. Yeah, um, uh, and it was yeah. it was this incredible play that almost came off. That one almost did result in yeah. a goal. It was it was a bad shot, I think, or or a really good defensive play. I can't remember exactly which that that broke that up. But uh, the story on him early on from neutral commentators is that he was a lot of pizzazz and no final product it, it was you could tell people were warming up for um, a tommy thompson critique on him and he just shut them all up over the course of of the season because and, he did produce and and now there are comparisons to Mauro diaz being right, thrown and, out and, and, and i think not unreasonably
1: the- and he's following the the Moro Diaz uh, template. It took Diaz some time to get going in MLS. He didn't just come in and it was immediately great. Right. Um, David Ferreira, who was the Diaz before there was Moro Diaz in Dallas, did the exact same thing. Um, and and can we all... say congrats to David Ferrera's son? Yeah. Uh, his who is now an MLS is now...
2: professional with FC right. Dallas,
0: a homegrown um, signing.
1: Which is... And we're
2: all ancient.
0: Well, most of yeah, us. It, anyway. By the way, yeah, if you remember David Ferreira. You might not be that old,
1: but you're old. No, because it wasn't that long ago. He wasn't in. He was in the league. <laughs> yeah, that's fairly true. Recently, yeah, um, he was
2: in the league. What, like 2011, 2012?
1: Right. Um, uh, so, yeah. um, but yeah, it's it's a, an old. established pattern, um, especially when we're talking about all three of those players are short number tens who love to run with the ball at their feet. Um, broadly speaking, they fit a similar mold, and they all needed that four to six months of mls play before they finally looked comfortable and then when they did everyone you know everyone standing against them was ruined um and that's yeah, i really hope of, that's I, the I think now. at this
0: point there's still there's still work to be done this offseason for uh-huh. for dave casper and Ben Olson as far as building the always. roster for next year there's always work to be done um you can you can but, never
2: stand still which is what they learned in the uh 2012 to 2013 off season.
0: I don't remember that winter. I don't believe it happened.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I must be having a aneurysm of some sort.
0: Yeah, you're just you're just talking nonsense, dude. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Are are Sorry. there vapors coming out from a crack in the rock below your feet, and you're just inhaling them like an oracle and and spitting out gibberish? Because that's I, what I, it did, sounded like to me.
2: I did just get bitten by the cat who's on my lap, so maybe I have a uh, some sort of feline induced fever.
0: Jasper will take over the world through hell or high water, mostly through Ben's words. Um, Yep. Anyway, what I was saying is Ben Olsen and Dave Casper, when they go to the league meetings at MLS Cup, wherever it may be, this uh december i think their job has to be to make it clear to mls brass that Luciano costa has to get protection next year and that playmakers have to get protection it's probably going to be a different song than they've they've sung in the past given the way dc united played in the past but at this point having tighter officiating especially around creative players really really benefits dc united they took advantage of it in the past uh that lacks kind of uh, thing. And this year it, it helped to bite them in the playoffs. Montreal was the better team on, on the night against DC United, but they were really, really helped by incredibly lax officiating, uh, especially when it came to persistent fouls on one player. And hopefully MLS and PRO make that a point of emphasis next year. And that will really help make games cool. more watchable. And it will also help DC United on the field.
1: All I- right. I don't want to throw a wet blanket on that, but we can ask a lot of different teams uh, how that – hoping for PRO to crack yeah. down on that goes. Um, maybe, maybe we should have Caleb Porter on and he could just go on for one solid hour about how he feels about this specific narrow subject because he could if, fill that hour we, and probably a second
2: episode. If we have him on, can we also ask him how he's not that great of a coach?
1: That's not a question.
2: <laughs> okay. Well, can, we, can, we, can we just shout declaratives at him? Hey, I Ben, mean, I, I really want to ask you your opinion about
1: your stupid headphones. I don't know if that's the best plan when we have, like, we're we're talking about the hypothetical of getting an actual active MLS coach on the show, and our, our strategy is to scream it in. Um, <laughs> I don't even want to scream at Caleb Porter. I understand why he didn't take the DC
2: United job at the time. I don't care about that.
0: He did win a supporter shield. He just hasn't done anything... MLS or, Cup. In MLS, MLS Cup, rather. Cup. I was like, no, and he won the Western Conference. Sure. He won the Western Conference regular season and won the, the MLS Cup the following year after barely making the playoffs. And then this year, didn't make the playoffs. So Caleb Porter's in a... Yeah, he's an interesting situation. You guys want to do cake or death?
2: Goat or fox? Goat.
0: I hate both of you so much.
2: You're supposed to be me, so you're supposed to be pro-goat today.
0: Clearly, that's not happening. <laughs> one of you was supposed to be me and neither of you picked up the mantle. So I think that that charade is, is dead. First up on the list this week, Kennedy Iguanonike, uh, brought over from the Chicago fire who kept most of his exorbitant $900,000 per year salary on their own books that they will be. Iguanonike will be coming off of the fires books next year. Uh, one way or another, uh, The question is whether he will be on DC United's books or even on the roster. Ben, (laughs) cake or death? Uh,
2: Very, very, very Fox. I mean, if some, even if he was, I mean, I think they can do way better with that roster spot no matter what happens. I mean, maybe if he was willing to take 150,000, maybe they couldn't do better, but he's not, so they will be able to do better. And yeah, it's ridiculous. He's not, he's not going to be in DC United next year, he's probably not going to be in MLS next year. No, and if he's I, in
0: MLS, it will be at DC United and it will be for much less than he's making. Now. I think that those are, those are fair things to say because nobody is going to pay him close to what he's making.
2: Right. Well, um, somebody in Sweden, might, well, somebody, yeah, in nobody, Sweden might nobody him. on
0: this side of the Atlantic.
2: Yeah. And I think he'll probably go back to Scandinavia and get more money than he's making here. And good for him for that. But I don't want him on DC United next year.
0: I think I think that's fair Jason.
1: I mean if he wants to take a colossal pay cut, um United could definitely use another striker with Sabarillo already uh confirming that he's leaving. Um United's going to need a striker of some kind and and someone at that price point of like $200,000 uh that's okay. I would I would accept that. Um I think Igbonike is better than we saw because of his track record in Chicago. Yeah, um, I, I think we also saw some good moments from him. Uh, he bought
0: into the system, whether yeah, he was playing on the wing or up top. There were moments where you could tell that he was he was really locked in. It right, just,
1: and, and a full preseason probably you probably get better re- returns. But there's no good reason for him to take that high of a pay cut when he has other options elsewhere. Um, yeah, there's no good reason for United to offer any more money than that. So in both, both sides have a reasonable argument for them to move on. And that's almost certainly what's going to happen. So I would have to say Fox, even though again, goat or Fox does not make any sense, but we're, we're all in on this bit. So Fox, you guys may foxes, be on
2: Foxes thing. eat goats. That's why it makes sense. Do they? What kind of foxes have you ever seen? Is this
0: like a rabid mutant
2: fox? I have, I have actually seen a live fox at Richmond's Maymont Park. It I see. Jumped, I see live fox it, was it out eating a goat? Home. It jumped out of a hole. It ran across a field and then jumped into another hole. Was so it like you haven't 10 seen any
0: goats? Because <laughs> foxes are little wee creatures.
2: So are baby goats. They are tiny and wee. You're saying that you said that just I, goats
0: across the board. Y- fox i mean if a fox comes across a horribly injured or dead goat it will probably proceed to eat it but i don't think foxes really hunt goats
2: but i've already won because you're arguing this with me
0: i hate you so much <laughs> Jared Jeffrey is next on our list. By the way, Kennedy, I agree with both of you. He will probably not be on DC United. I would totally take him for 200,000 or less against the cap next year. I think he would be, um, he's, he would be very reluctant to accept that kind of pay cut and no one in MLS is going to pay him more than that. So he will probably be back in Scandinavia where he played much better than he did in MLS. Jared Jeffrey is next on our list of cake or death Jason, what do you want to give to Jared Jeffrey?
1: This one's a little complicated because I want United to add a a better player at central midfield playing alongside Acosta. Um, I do think there's room for Jeffrey on the roster or Rob Vincent, but I don't think there's room for both of them staying. Um, because even though Marcelo Sarvas is 35, I think he should stick around. I think he's... Head and Shoulders a better player, so therefore you you keep him even if you're not starting him 100 percent of the time. Um, but one of those two players has to go. Um, I probably should have brought up the salary cap information, um, which would definitely inform this decision. Um, They're both pretty kind
0: of, low against the cap, I think.
1: Right. Um, Jeffrey does his job fairly well. Um, he has gotten better over time, which is good to see. We still, you know, he's still. It's not like he's that old. Um, at this point, but he's not going to be a starter next year. If, if United takes care of business in the off season. Um, right. He's 26. Right. And um,
2: Jared Jeffrey is 77,800 Rob Vincent, 62,500. So
1: it, wow. it, the cap savings are, are so little as to not really yeah. matter. Yeah. And they're the um, same age. And Vincent is a green card holder. So the domestic status thing doesn't matter. Um, one of those two, uh, I think, will be – I mean, if we get to the preseason, they're both still on the roster. We might be looking at those two battling for one spot and then someone getting traded late in the preseason or released. Um, right. I think it's entirely possible just Amos
0: see, McGee takes one of them in the expansion draft.
1: It, it, it could be. Um, it's hard to gauge what Minnesota is going to do because McGee only just went there, um, and they have they have looked like they're not ready to start a soccer team next year. They also um, yes.
2: they also hired a coach who's not ready to coach an MLS team, or are rumored to. Yeah, he, they haven't hired him yet. Yeah, they no, haven't so.
1: announced. They haven't. The rumor is no. that Adrian Heath would be their coach, who has at least spent some time coaching an MLS team, um, but is not yeah, actually
2: it's, qualified to do so.
1: It's hard to say what their plan is, but um, with Jeffrey and Vincent, I mean, maybe we see one of them traded um, ahead of time to clear that up, but. I assume United is looking for a better number eight than they have on the roster currently, um, or they're looking for a number six and they'll just make uh, Marcelo the number eight either way. Um, I assume that that's going to leave one too many central midfielders on the roster. And so it's hard to say goat or Fox for Jeffrey, but,
2: it's, but it's
1: Fox, Fox for one of him and Vincent. And I think Vincent was maybe slightly ahead of him by the end of the season. So I suppose I would have to say Fox, but it could easily be Goat for him and, and Fox for Vincent.
0: I don't know why you sided with Ben and just made this segment so much more confusing than it needed to be. Ben, cake or death for Jared Jeffrey?
2: Um, I think for, I think, yeah, I'm going Fox. Uh, I think Jared Jeffrey has passed him. I think that Ben Olsen showed last off season that he was looking. Rob Vincent, yes. Don't listen to the other words i said i said Rob both of
1: them have two first names
2: <laughs> but um ben Olson, ben Olson showed last uh offseason that he was looking for a uh number eight slash number six a uh defensive midfielder slash central midfielder when they tried to get uh no sereno and were tampered with by uh orlando city uh horrible by the horrible way team. thanks
0: for that thanks for that orlando <laughs> Dodged a bullet well, on that one.
2: Well. Yeah. But I mean, they were looking for a high paid player in that position. So I feel like, and he was stolen from them by chicanery. So I think they're going to probably do, do so again this off season, maybe not quite as highly paid, but they're going to be looking for someone for that position because they are actual smart soccer people and know what their team needs. So they're going to be looking for someone for one of those positions. So, i think rob vincent is a little more uh flexible in that he can play on the wing he can also play defensive midfield which is a feat only achieved by like ben olsen uh so i think they might have to i think Jared jeffrey might either get taken in the expansion draft or might just be moved on even though ben olsen has a lot of love for Jared jeffrey
0: yeah the team made a commitment to him coming into 2016 saying that that he would get more minutes and he did and he looked better in 2016 than he had at any point in the past it wasn't always great especially at defensive midfield he he had some issues um in big moments in and around our defensive box Mm. uh that he he failed to come through and uh at a season ticket holder event I asked Ben Olsen about this and he's like hey it was it was two mistakes and I think you're going to see better from him going forward and Olsen continued to trust him and and Jeffrey did get better over the course of of this year I don't know that he is starting quality on a contending MLS team at any position uh no matter who else is on the team and and so even though I coming into this, I was thinking give him cake and put him on the bench because he's good for a spot start and he's good uh, as a sub to help kill off a game. I wouldn't mind seeing him being taken by Minnesota and Amos McGee uh, in the expansion draft and him getting some quality playing time up there with the Loons. I think that that might be the best case scenario for both teams because it means or for for everybody involved because it means jeffrey gets uh gets into a situation that that might be better for his playing time the loons get a quality contributor and dc United gets uh that position uh cleared up a little bit going into into next year so that might be what i'm kind of rooting for i'm not totally sure yet um i i think this is this is kind of a tough call and that it has to be binary um but I, I will go with it's binary. No, it's Martin's fault that it's binary. We're blaming Martin for this. Uh, I will actually go with, with cake for him. I will, I will say, keep him around next year unless Minnesota takes him, Um, which I'm also, like I said, kind of rooting for next on the list. Al Haji Kamara. He scored the fastest goal in an MLS debut in MLS history and then didn't do much else. He uh, was kind of lucky to play soccer at a professional level at all in 2016. He he left Scandinavia after last year, um, and then over the winter was diagnosed with a kind of heart defect that in Europe doesn't let you play soccer once it's discovered. In the U.S., there are doctors are a little bit more liberal and are willing to work with you as a professional athlete to do this. It is not the same kind of heart condition that for instance, Eddie Johnson has that does not let you play anywhere as a professional. Uh, It it seems to be somewhat uh, more, the the risk level is more accepted in the United States for the kind of condition Al Haji Kamara has. He put in a lot of work on training and documented much of it on Instagram this year. And got in and scored a goal very quickly to help United win in Sporting Kansas City, which is never uh, a given, even though they've done it. I think their last two visits to Sporting Kansas City, United has won. So, hooray for that. Thank you, Alhaji Kamara, for making that a thing. Um, Ben, cake or death for Kamara?
2: I was initially going to say cake, but I also wouldn't mind if they upgraded and brought in a couple, like, for him to not be on the team next year, they would have to bring in a couple of uh, strikers who are above him, and the likelihood of that happening is not very high, but I wouldn't mind if it happened. So, I guess I'm gonna waffle back and say GOAT, even though I would not be disappointed if they brought in a number of proven strikers that beat him out.
0: I I say kick. I I think he w- he had a lot of kind of muscle and overuse injuries uh, after that performance that that short performance in Sporting Kansas City on his debut. Um, a lot of which is probably down to the fact that he wasn't allowed to train for several months at the beginning of the season. And I think with a full off season and a a full preseason, he will be more du- durable. And I think he's a good change of pace to Patrick Mullins who will be the starter next year and he's also on a low salary because he was basically unemployable anywhere else in the world and DC United helped him out and got doctors to, to check him out and went to bat for him and and made sure that he was able to play soccer again which is what he wants to do. And so I think he wants to be here and I think that that's that's a valuable thing especially with the the level of production he put out in Scandinavia when he was there and with his presumably very low salary. um, I think that it's a position you're probably not going to get better value than at value at than Kamara. So I I say cake, Jason.
1: Uh, Yeah, I've got no problem with, with keeping him around. So I I would say go Kamara is only 22 years old uh he's already got 16 goals in in uh, the Swedish league um at that age um we've seen him he, he's uh at least before his heart condition he was a he was getting call-ups for Sierra Leone um at 22 i mean that we're talking about a college senior kind of age it's not entirely certain that United picking where they will which i think they would have the 12th overall pick um, would be able to do better than that. Um, maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't. Um, certainly depends on whether guys like Gordon Wild, uh, end up in the draft pool or not. Um, so you need, you, United definitely needs strikers. Sabo's gone. Uh, Iguan is almost certainly gone and you end up with Mullins, Kamara and Nagel and Nagel's not even a full-time striker. Um, that's the full list of forwards That's the end of the list. Um, so yeah, I think United at this point has no, no real option, but to keep Kamara. And, and I think they probably should, there are flashes there. Um, he might not fit the four, one, four, one, um, but he might fit as a late game, you know, you're, you're behind. So you send Kamara into partner Mullins and you pull the number eight or the number six, and go for broke. Um, he fits in that mold. Um, I think he also fits late in games to sub di- directly for Mullins because he likes to run the channels and get in behind. Mm-hmm. Um, so his job at that point, isn't so much to be a holdup guy. It's just to get in behind and, and United showed at, with Acosta, um, showed a knack for getting that kind of goal in games this year. Um, and Kamara, I think maybe is, is cut out for that sort of role. Uh, and, and we also you know we saw him play this year where he had been out for months and months um and he still showed some flashes where it looked like he was a reasonable mls player so i feel like it's it's more than prudent to give him a full preseason and then say like let's really see what this kid can do um and i think we should expect more uh, this season than we got this this uh in 2016 so yeah for me this one's very this one's very straightforward i think you've got to keep kamara around and and see see what happens in 2017 with him, see if he can stay healthy, um, see if the muscle injuries go away now that he's got months and months of training, and, you know, it's also, the the other thing is his spot on the roster, it's not crucial that he be great, he doesn't have to be a knockout player, um, because you, you, let's assume that United signs at least one more striker, possibly two more if they replace both Sabo and Igbo and Ike. um, you're not necessarily lost if Kamara ends up being a, you take a flyer on him and it doesn't pan out. It's not the end of the world. Um, so there's no real stakes. There's no real reason to get rid of him, quite frankly.
0: Next on the list is uh, probably the easiest call of the night. And that's shooter Taylor Kemp uh, left back for DC United scored. Uh, I don't have the stats in front of me scored a handful of goals. I think three goals this year led uh, or I think first or second among defenders and assists with something like six. Um, d- definitely, uh, United's left back going into next year. And I think probably the easiest dose of cake, uh, on, on tonight's list, Jason, agree or disagree.
1: Well, first of all, Kemp scored two goals, one in the playoffs, one in the regular season.
0: Okay. Only two goals, not three. Yeah. Um, Apologies.
1: Well, I was looking it up while you're speaking, so I had time to find that out. um, yeah, this one's a no-brainer. Um Kemp has developed. Th- this was probably his best year as a defensive player. Um and, and not a the, bad
0: year attacking either.
1: Right. You know, going forward he gave us what we expect and he's get, he's still improving in that department, which is great. Um and as a defender, he has improved a lot and that's also mm-hmm. been a a consistent thing with him since he be- came in the league in 2013. It's we've seen him get better every single year. Um, he's pitting, He's hitting the peak of his career uh, Coming into 2017 um, And look If you're an American soccer club And you found a domestic left back That is serviceable You're happy If you find one that's actually good uh, You should be even more happy So for the, this one for me is uh, Not just goat but like a large goat A, a big bulky goat
0: A goat sized Slice of cake Essentially
1: no, Cake Cake is not nearly it. I'm talking about a real Goat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let's be clear. Ben, very quickly, Cake or Death
2: for Taylor Kemp. Obviously Goat. I mean, yeah, like everything Jason said, he's been much better defensively this year. He's still been his regular shooter self. Uh, and yeah, you, you can't do better. Uh, DC United is not going to be able to find a better left back than him uh this offseason unless they paid an insane amount of money and they're not going to do that because Taylor Kemp is too good. So yeah. Go.
0: Next up, possibly a slightly uh slightly more difficult choice, and that's Chris Korb, who did not play a single minute in twenty sixteen. I'm not sure how much practice time he even got. He had some trouble recovering from, I think, an ACL injury uh at the end of last year that you know, it didn't go well setback after setback and and didn't end up playing a minute he uh-huh. was united he he was kind of a guy at fullback who would always find his way into the starting lineup uh on either side either left back or right back uh he's a right footed player who who seemed to be better at left back from for a time you know he was and you know he's he's not a young guy at this point in his career anymore he came out after a five-year career at akron
2: yeah Be surprised, DC United fans. If he's on DC United next year, he's going to turn thirty during the season. You you do not think Chris Corb is that old? Don't lie. You don't think Chris Corb is that old, but he is.
0: So this this is a more interesting question because DC United does not have a lot of depth at fullback right now. There there's Taylor Kemp, there's Sean Franklin, there's maybe Nick DeLeon, and if Taylor and if Chris Corb can come back from this injury. There's him. And that's it. Luke Mishu? Fine. There's also (laughs) Luke Mishu. We'll get to him in the next couple of weeks, I'm sure. So Chris Korb right now is depth at this position. And when he is healthy and in form, he's pretty good depth, honestly. The question is, Ben. Should he be on DC United next year? Cake or death?
2: I mean, I feel bad getting rid of people because they got injured, but a six to eight month injury that took the entire season is not a good sign. And so, and I mean, at his age and at his uh, expected level on the depth chart, I think DC United could do better with a free agent signing or even an undrafted draft pick or a second round draft pick or something else so i'm gonna give chris corb fox i think they can do better than him and it's not a reflection on him he's been a good player for dc united but i think i think those days are past jason um
1: it really depends on what what he's capable of physically, if if we're getting the same Chris Core back, then I would say this is a fairly easy goat for me. But, but
2: after if, he's this been, of, if he's been off for so much longer than he should have been, it's he's not going to be the same guy back.
1: That's not necessarily true, because um, w- we don't know anything. We really don't know very much at all about what's wrong with him, other than he tore his ACL and there was a setback, whatever the, in this case that means. Um, there's no solid reason for us to say that he definitely won't be the same player there's no solid reason for us to definitely say that he will be the same player um he really is kind of a mystery at this point we you know it's hard to say where he is um in terms of his athleticism which is a big part of his game yeah he Um, was
0: super fast
1: he he's not someone we saw a lot of around training or anything we didn't hear that much about him this year but he was there for the playoff game in street clothes, he was down on the field applauding fans after the game. Um, so he's he's around, he's engaged with the idea of playing again. Um, which after this amount of time out, you have to start to wonder, you know, do you do you still want to do this or not? Um, because that that rehab is no joke, especially when there's there's no light at the end of the tunnel. Um, so the fact that he's still around and to some degree. Um, in, is some kind of indicator that maybe he still wants to keep going and that maybe he thinks he w- will be able to play and be the guy that he was before. Um, as depth uh, on either side, he's an excellent option. He, he's an upgrade over Michu. Um He makes the game day 18 most of the time. That's assuming that we're getting the same core back, which we don't know. Um, so yeah. this one's really tough. Um, I would be hesitant to... Cut, cut loose on him until we saw otherwise um and united would be kind of in the position to i wouldn't i wouldn't make that decision until preseason i would really look into um finding you know looking at nasl or usl players who are um at the high end of those leagues as fullbacks and um looking for a rob vincent sort of player um, for example the as,
2: uh, richmond kicker the richmond kickers had a Fullback, who uh, I think he made the uh, USL Team of the Year,
1: and that and, and I would assume in, that in he his had, in
2: his in his first year out of uh, out of college,
1: right? Yeah. And so that's a player that you would want to um, bring in as competition, and yeah. that see maybe him is in tra- the
2: way you look in preseason
0: as a trialist. Um,
1: but um, as of now, I would say you you keep Chris Corb, um, but you also keep an open mind towards possibly. Replacing him, and you know him and Mishu both. I think should be under some pretty stiff competition for their their spot on the roster come preseason. Um, but yeah, I think as of now, you keep Corb until you see conclusive evidence that he can't do what he used to do anymore. Oh, yeah, I, I, I,
2: I'm sorry, Braden Troyer. This was his second year, okay, uh, in okay. USL. But he was one of the best one of the best fullbacks in USL this year for the Richmond Kickers.
0: I'd be interested to hear about him more in the future. Um, as far as Chris Korb goes, though, I think I'm, I'm with Jason. You've got to look at him in preseason, give him a chance to come back, because if he is even close to what he was beforehand, he's, he's better than serviceable depth at the fullback position, which is a position of need for DC United, or at least the depth is a position of need. And, and so I think you've got to bring him back. He gets cake from me and I just the dropped the my hell? pen. I just dropped my pen. Um, one last question uh, on about Fox, DC United. And Fox for Adam. <laughs> Fuera Taylor. Uh, one last question on DC United, and it ties back to our first segment. And Jason, I know this is kind of spoiling a, a piece you your writing, so everyone listening to this, make sure you go to Black and Red United and read Jason's piece when it publishes. How does Klinsman's firing and Bruce Arena's presumed appointment affect some D.C. United players? We know Steve Birnbaum's in the player pool. Bill Hamid has been pushed to the edges somewhat unjustifiably, I would argue. (laughs) Somewhat?
2: Incredibly unjustifiably.
0: I am using understatement as a rhetorical device. Why? Okay, it's ironic.
2: Oh, so you're just God? Ironic... You just
0: don't get me.
2: So you're an ironic millennial.
1: I mean, aren't we all?
2: Jason claims he's not a millennial.
1: I don't think it really makes sense for 1982. It really doesn't, and yet here we are. But well, because you have to lump, you know, people. Someone had a to draw a line to, somewhere you have to and smash you... them together and hope that it works, and it yes. doesn't. But people will keep talking about it anyway. Yeah, I mean, we are from. We're all you know, old the, millennials. The
0: edge artists. of yeah. Yeah, we're not Gen X, we're we're barely millennials. We are something or other.
2: And unfortunately anyway, I'm the youngest of all of us.
0: Yeah, you're definitely a millennial. Man. Unfortunately.
2: I don't you want to trade?
0: Ben Ben wants to be older than he is. <laughs> so apparently, millennial.
2: According to a Slack channel I in, I'm apparently the oldest person ever.
0: I heard. Anyway. That. Anyway, yeah. Jason, yes. how how does Klinsmann's firing and arena's presumed appointment? How does that affect DC United?
1: Well, I mean, with Hamid, it makes him jump up the depth chart because Bruce Arena has shown a knack for uh, understanding what makes a good goalkeeper. Now, the Galaxy have cut corners at that position for years now, but it's because of the vagaries of being the Galaxy and using three designated players. Um, I think when it comes to figuring out who a good goalkeeper is, um, Arena will at, at the very least not see Hamid as nowhere near getting into even like a January camp, which is what Klinsman apparently thought. Um Because when you're talking about seventh or eighth on the depth chart, that's what you're talking about. is a guy who's not getting called in even for January. Um, so it should be better for Hamid. It doesn't guarantee that he's going to get called in. Um, but it does at least, I mean, it does at least take out the person who was bad at evaluating talent uh, factor. Um So it's probably good news for Hamid. Uh, with Burnbaum it'll be interesting to see whether uh, Arena rates him as highly as someone like Matt Hedges, um, who Klinsman basically was like, I just have no interest in calling in. Um, and Hedges responded with, you know, I, th- I think he was, have they done Defender of the Year? Have they announced that yet? Yeah, I did think I he won. One? He, he did win? Okay, so there you go. Um, he's been excellent for a couple years now. Um, and maybe And maybe Hedges isn't the only player that gets a, a look now maybe he doesn't even affect burn bomb maybe multiple players that were getting called in um don't get that call though omar omar gonzalez probably will get called in under Arana yeah because bruce he, yeah he knows mm-hmm. him extremely well uh john brooks despite his uh play against costa rica is going to keep getting called in because he's the best because he's actually defender in the group um beisler maybe maybe not it's hard to say what arena thinks of him there but uh Burn bomb. I think maybe it adds a little element of instability, just because uh, Klinsmann seemed pretty heavily committed to burn bomb. Um, it may it, the effect it may have. That's more than anything. It is it may re- reduce the pressure on Burn bomb to take a European deal this off season. Yeah, that's a good um, because point. Arena is probably just going to be like find the best place for you to be playing. That's all I care about. Yeah. Um, just whereas Klinsmann probably and calling him every yourself. day and sending saying, "Have you signed for a European team? I don't care what league or what level, just Europe. If it's Europe, I don't. That's fine.
2: Have you have signed, you signed for in the, Andorra? It's great. Have you signed for the Spanish Segunda Division yet?
1: Um, or the Israeli league? I, oh. I will bring up um, now. Those are the guys that have the most obvious path to the national team. But we we mentioned Taylor Kemp earlier. I don't think he's national team quality, but you never know when the pool of left backs is so small. You never know um, whether Arena is like, no, I think I think Kemp deserves a, a January camp call in to prove himself. Um, and in a similar vein, I would I would bring up Patrick Mullins, who mm-hmm. um, provides something that a lot of American strikers don't provide in MLS. Um, the and we've seen what happens when the U.S. doesn't have a Jose Altidore backup plan. Um, and Mullins could provide that. I mean, if it's the if the choice is calling in thirty five year old Alan Gordon, who you no. know cannot start games and play ninety minutes, or calling in Patrick Mullins, who scored uh, eight goals in fourteen games uh, as a target man uh, to back up Josie Altador. I mean, Mullins he's is playing what, ten- in
2: MLS. Jess.
1: he's he's t- well. So is Alan
2: Gordon.
0: Um, we don't ten- have to. We don't have to pretend or mock that anymore. It can't he's, hurt us anymore, Ben.
1: German accents,
0: bad German accents, and what uh, about, inferiority Adam? complexes can no longer hurt us.
1: Yeah, M- Mullins will be 25 in February, so he'll be 11 when the camp kicks off. He'll be 11 years younger than Alan Gordon, um, almost should,
0: three full World Cup cycles younger yeah, so than Alan Gordon. If you're looking Gordon. for
1: someone to be the Altador backup, um, Mullins should and at forward. least be on the sheet of paper. With, with Mullins, I don't, I'm don't. i not saying that he is definitely going to get called in. He definitely deserves that. I want to see uh, a full season where he's not necessarily motivated by being spurned by another team. Um, but I do think the signs are very strong that he's going to be a guy that can score enough goals and create for other people um, where he might be on the fringes um, of the national team. If players like Gordon and Wandelowski can hang on forever and ever and ever, um, then you know, why isn't there room for a young American uh target man uh on the national team who fits uh fits the bill basically for what the US needs. Um now there's gonna be real competition there. Juan Agudelo finally started playing well at the end of the season. Granted we've seen him have the like six weeks of playing well and then Don't care. he stops for a while. Um, we've seen that happen before with Agudelo, so that's always an issue. Um, but I do think that if Arena's writing down a list of of guys who can be the backup to Altidore, um he should be... Mullen should at least be on that list, and he should at least be spending time thinking, should I invite this guy to camp or not? Um, those are the players that are really most affected, um, I would say, at this point. Um, we're, with the, the homegrown players on the team, uh, those guys have still... Not broken through enough with United to get on the radar there, and the rest of the starting lineup is actually not eligible, um, which is a weird thing because for years DC United was almost entirely uh, U.S. U.S. born and raised, and now all of a sudden you go through the starting lineup. It's like, well, wait, wait a minute, a lot of these guys couldn't play for the national team, which is the first time in in years and years where that's been the case.
0: Yeah, let's let's turn our attention away from from DC United now and towards MLS. And, and the MLS Cup playoffs, which do resume Tuesday night. Uh, if you are religious about listening to filibuster, number one, good for you. You're a good person. Get religion, people, clearly. Uh, number two, thank you. and And number three... You are listening to this uh, on Tuesday, and that means the, the conference finals are tonight as you are listening to this. The Eastern Conference uh, pits Toronto FC at the Montreal Impact. That'll kick off at 8 o'clock on ESPN. Out West, it's Colorado at Seattle, 10 o'clock on FS1. Um, let's really quickly go through this because we are severely over time already. Um, in the Eastern Conference Final, I think the media is probably going to make this uh, seem like a battle between Piotti and Jovinko, which I don't think is is quite right, because Piotti is not going to be playing a lot of defense for Montreal, and that is what this is going to come down to. It's going to be Jovinko and Altidore versus the Montreal defense, and then... Piotti versus whichever one or two toronto defenders can get back in front of him (laughs) and then clint irwin in goal um that's how i see this battle playing out jason what do you think
1: it will be interesting because tfc plays um or has been playing at least a 3-5-2 that can quickly become 5-3-2 if they they want to drop stephen betashore and justin morrow back um but with Piotti breaking out, um, that's a that changes things a little bit because the spaces in behind a wide midfielder in that formation are precisely what Piotti would attack. And I don't think they want Eric Zavaleta, the right center back in that formation, pulling out wide to deal with Pi- Piotti. I mean, they don't really want anyone having to pull, pull out wide to deal with Piotti, but um, a center back going out there to try and deal with it is a particularly bad situation. Um it will be interesting because both teams kind of have their game breaker that can defeat the other team single-handedly. Um, I think a lot of it's going to come down to which team can dictate the tempo and set the terms so that, that that their player is getting emphasized while the other guy isn't. Um, we saw Montreal was very good, and, and they did it against the Red Bulls as well. They were very good at denying the the other team their best player while also setting Piotti free on the counter. Um, I wonder if TFC is up for that task as far as the tactical side, because I'm not a big uh, backer of Greg Vanny so far. I've seen a lot of panic. Um, he's not going to make a bad lineup decision. It's, it's when the game isn't going TFC's way. Um, there's a tendency for them to panic and shift to lump crosses in and see what happens way too early. And I don't think that yep. really suits Giovinco, um, because he's not really a guy that f- battles for crosses. It's not really a good pl- game plan. Wait, you mean um,
0: someone nicknamed the Atomic Ant is not a fantastic uh, winner of aerial <laughs> duels? I, it it, turn, it I turns out. I don't know what you're it saying. turns out.
1: Um, yeah, I, 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 I get the feeling that Montreal has the edge tactically. Um which may end up being crucial, especially with them hosting the first leg. Um, But on the other hand, the fact that they host the first leg means they have to go out and get this game rather than sit in and counter, because TFC is not an attack-minded team. They're not DC at RFK. They're not the Red Bulls. They are going to sit deep and play for a shutout. Um, TFC's been doing that all year, and they'll they'll sit deep, and hopefully, for them, their hope is keep a shutout, and if Giovinco steals something, then great. Um, that's the, the this,
0: this game will be at the Olympic stadium in Montreal, the big O with the terrible turf, um, which means Drogba probably is not going to be playing very much. We know he's almost certainly not going to start no matter what the surface is, but he probably won't play more than five or 10 minutes, if at all in this game, just because the surface is so bad and his legs will disintegrate if he plays on the. So it, it, it. They, Montreal doesn't have that game changer to bring in off the bench, is what I'm saying. Because Drogba can still do that over a short spell. So I, I think it does come down to whether Jovinko can break Montreal's defense, which when he's on, he absolutely can uh, against any defense in the league. And then, like like you alluded to, Jason, whether Toronto can be patient against a a very defensive minded, very organized montreal side and so it's going to be it's going to be one offense against a defense and you know going each way and it'll be it'll be interesting to see uh how, how this one plays out like i said this is eight o'clock on tuesday night on espn the other game immediately following on fox sports one colorado rapids at seattle sounders probably a, a starker difference of styles than Toronto Montreal. Um, my biggest question is whether there are enough able bodies to play this game, because both sides have suffered ridiculous numbers of injuries, not just in the playoffs, but also in in the national team camps, it seems like. Tim Howard is going to miss this one. Uh, Jordan Morris is I, at least questionable, or at best questionable for this yeah. one, I think, with a hamstring injury he suffered. Uh, representing the U S Jermaine Jones may or may not have died on the plane back from Costa Rica. After playing 180 minutes, he had no business playing uh, more than probably a combined hour and a half. He he played two games when he should have played one over the course of those two fixtures. Um, so he, he may or may not be broken. Who the hell knows? Uh, which by the way, that's something else that's going to be good when Juergen's gone <laughs> or now that Juergen's gone. Um, I'm I'm pretty pleased that that there will be a a more logical evidence science based uh, training regimen in place uh, for the national team. Hooray! No more hamstring injuries. We hope.
1: Knockwood. Adam, you just need to educate yourself.
0: Clearly, clearly, I <laughs> I know nothing. Um, but that's what makes me lovable. I know nothing. Um, Jason. Who do you think is favored to advance in out of out of Seattle and, and Colorado? Colorado's the higher seed. Seattle uh definitely has gotten a little bit more publicity as far as their, their style of play late in the year. Who's who's favored to advance in your mind?
1: Uh in my mind I think Seattle's got the edge because uh is injured. And yeah. C- Colorado's game plan is kind of predicated on keeping a shutout and hoping that uh one of their attacking players can sort of do something by himself and the by far the best player at that up front for them is Gashi and the injury he had looked pretty bad it looked maybe like a um, a broken ankle rather than a sprain um he was carried off the field in a preposterous fashion by the the, the rapid staff who didn't have a uh stretcher somehow so it was just two guys sort of holding a leg and and uh on either side sort of uh, hauling him off in a sitting uh, a sitting position, but he was standing up between sitting between two men. It was very strange. Um, it's not how you carry someone off the field. Um, there's a scene in the movie Semi Pro where uh, uh, Jackie Moon is carted off by his teammates, and the announcer brings up the fact that they're, they're not doing anything to stabilize his head, and it's very dangerous. And it's, that's pretty much what I thought about with this. And this was a real life injury to a human being not a fictional movie character for jokes luckily um, a
0: leg injury not a head or neck injury
1: <laughs> yeah um but it, his injury really reduces colorado's possibility as, a, as an attacking force um most likely if he can't play they'll stick dylan powers up as a of uh, number 10 who doesn't really do that um and they'll just sort of sit in and hope for Scratching out a set-piece goal, basically it, redu- it reduces the number of ways that Colorado can win the game, or win either game, um as long as Gashi's unavailable. I think the Rapids are still holding out hope that he might play some part in this, but it 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 would seem like a stretch. And we've also, for United fans with a long memory, you might remember Luciano Emilio trying to play on a bum ankle, um and it just did not work. You, you just can't do it, Um even if you can grit yourself through the, the pain. You're not going to be playing soccer at a high level. Um, Seattle, meanwhile, I think Morris is probably closer to playing than Gashi is. And even if he can't play, they've still got Lodero. Um, they've still got the suddenly playing soccer at a, a decent level, Nelson Valdez. Um, he, he only up. shows up for the playoffs. Now, those two guys both played South American qualifiers. Um, so they are also going to be tired. Um it will be interesting. It's not great for Seattle after the first leg, um, needing those two to be playing at a pretty high level when they're coming off of those long flights and all that. Um, but I also think Seattle is perfectly aware that they have to go out and get themselves a, a two-goal edge. If they get if they get a two-goal edge in the first leg, they're going through. Um, Colorado doesn't strike me as anything other than a team that's gonna scratch out one nothing wins, and I was saying this coming into the playoffs. I saw the Rapids vulnerable to what what happens when they don't keep the other team to a shutout. Um the the margins that they're playing with are so thin and now they've lost the guy that makes that 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 way of playing work. Um that's the number one way, way that they get their one goal is he's now po- probably not playing the first leg. Um so that's pretty damaging for them. So I think the Rapids are in trouble. Um, I think the other series is a lot harder to call at this point. I think Seattle is kind of they really, really should end up going through here.
0: Yeah, I think if Colorado can do what they did against the Galaxy and and hold this to a a one nothing kind of game, uh, win or lose, I think their their chances of advancing uh, go up quite a bit. Um, we know Zach McMath is you know he's he's I think statistically had a better year for the Rapids than Tim Howard did even though Tim Howard won Goalkeeper of the Year because MLS awards voting is very silly sometimes. But it's going to be really hard to keep Seattle to one goal on in front of that crowd for this playoffs. Um, ben, what are your thoughts on, on the conference finals before we get out of here?
2: Uh, Seattle's going to win, unfortunately. And I hope Toronto wins okay I'm trying, to keep, I'm trying to keep this brief because we've gone far too long
0: <laughs> we really really have this, this, and this, any
2: this segment itself has been an hour long
0: anyone who's made it this far give yourself a cookie you've earned it that's 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 what you get don't don't don't,
2: don't don't dramatically pause we don't have time for dramatic pauses i'm cutting this out
0: <laughs> thank you all <laughs> thank you all for listening uh, this has been Filibuster. Find us on blackandredunited.com. We're on Twitter at filibuster DCU for the podcast at Black and Red U, for the website. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. We'd especially like your thoughts on dramatic pauses and the virtue or vice thereof. Find us on iTunes. Find us on Stitcher. We're on SoundCloud as well. Mostly, though, tell a friend about the show. So when you're at a bar watching the MLS Cup playoffs or the the games in england and germany or south america or whatever just mention us to to a friend and we would really appreciate that for jason and ben i am adam and we will talk to you real soon say goodbye jason
1: goodbye jason